Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've given us a place to be and a people to be a part of. Lord, thank you that you've invited us into your global family. We're not alone. And we're not uh, relegated by the number of biological people we're connected to. We are a part of the multi-billion person family that belong to you, Jesus. And so we, yes, we do celebrate uh, today the, the freedom for our country. But right now, we're focused on you, Jesus, and the freedom that you bring to anyone anywhere who puts their hope and trust in you. So in that sense, today we raise our prayers to you, our allegiance to you, our love to you, and now help us, Holy Spirit of God, to understand the word of God so that we can live in your way, oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, and every kid said? Amen. All right, this kid's got some deep voices. All right, so a resilient faith is what we're talking about. And I know uh, for some of our younger ones, that may be a bigger word, but for us, we're defining resilient faith as a posture of our heart, a way that our heart lives, our mind and our soul, to live steadfast in following Jesus in a culture that is not going along with that pursuit. In other words, for us, what it means to have a genuine, resilient faith means that it means something when others don't follow Jesus, we're choosing to. And what we're doing is we're looking at people in the Bible who have this life, this way of living, a way of thinking, a way of treating people that's like God. And we want to live like them. So we've already looked, for those of you in the adult class, kids, you haven't been tracking with us, but we've looked at Noah, and we've looked at Abraham, and we've looked at Joseph, and it just made sense today on July 4th just to look at someone who's probably the most important person in the first part of the Bible when it comes to people experiencing freedom. So in our country, we have people we look back to and say, wow, thank you for them. But in the Bible, we look at a person named Moses. And just so you know, since we're celebrating the fourth, freedom requires courage. Would you agree? I mean, this isn't easy. It's not easy to stand up for what you believe in. And it's the courage of women and men who've lived way before us that stood up and lived resilient lives that give us the ability to enjoy the freedom that we have right now. And today's one of those days where we eat hamburgers and hot dogs to remember that. I don't understand the connection, but we do that. And so when we look at Moses, for those of you who are newer to the Bible, he's probably the most important person in the first part because God used him to help bring a whole group of people who were really in a bad spot in slavery and bring them into a place of freedom. But more than that, when you read the whole Bible, you realize this person, Moses, is a picture. His life is an example of the ultimate freedom that everyone who follows Jesus is going to experience. And so like Moses is used by God to bring people out of death into life, he's pointing forward his life speaks to what will happen in Jesus in his death and his resurrection that brings true freedom to all who believe. Now, there's so much to say about Moses. I'm going to focus on one thing because I have a sandwich on my mind. <laughs> one thing. And that is Moses was courageous. He was filled with courage. And we're going to look at that this morning. Deuteronomy 
31. I know this morning, early morning, you were looking at Deuteronomy 31. All of you. All one of you. Me. Uh, verse 6 and 7. We'll put it on the screen for your help. It's in the middle of Moses' conversation at the end of his life. He's now led these people for 40 years. He was used by God for 40 years to bring them into freedom. And he tells them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. The them are the people that are living in the land that they're going to go and take. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel, an unending group of people, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Now, uh, be strong and courageous. When you look at the language this is written in, which happened to be Hebrew, not English, the tone of the word is boldness. May you be strong and bold. And courage is, is about boldness. God's people, uh, at the end of his life, Moses is about to go to be with God. He, he was used to get them out of Egypt and bring them through this desert and experience all sorts of horrific things. You think a year and a half of COVID is bad. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. In the desert with no water to drink. I mean, we can shop online. You can get anything sent to your house. But here's a real group of people who are living in the hardest state for not a year and a half, 40 years. That's resilient faith. Friends, we have been through it. We have been through tough times, right? We have been through a rough spot. But our faith ought to be resilient, steadfast in following Jesus, even living in a culture that's not going Jesus' way because we know God. And the people before us who live 40 years with trials and troubles ought to speak to your life right now. Now, in light of all that we're facing, there's, there's this command. As a matter of fact, the word be bold isn't a suggestion. And I think the word of God to us today uh, is to be bold. This is our calling as God's people, to be strong and to be bold. Now, Let's just think about Moses' life for a second because courage sounds great for a leader to talk about, but you got to remember where he came from. Because if, if not, you, you'll miss the power of God that can make you courageous. Uh, think of uh, Moses' beginning. Moses should not have lived. Uh, at the time that he was born, Pharaoh in Egypt, who was evil, was trying to stop God's people from physically growing, so he decided to decree any young boy uh, must, before they're born and given to their mother, their life must be taken away. And in a twist that God could only do, Moses is not only born, but he's put into the household of Egypt and Pharaoh, and he's God's person, but he's, he's brought up and raised in a godless home. And he's been given this privilege. You see, the enemy wanted to take him out, but God had a plan for his life, just like he has a plan for your life. And then when Moses grows up, you remember, he's a leader. He's, he's in charge. And he sees the Egyptian taskmasters beating his brothers and sisters. He loves his own people. He sees them. And so he stops them. And in stopping them, he takes a guy's life out. And then he hides him. 
He's so passionate to see freedom in his family that he does something that he tries to hide. You know what happens? Pharaoh finds out, and then, then Pharaoh puts a word out against Moses, and he has to run. So he's brought up in this house, this weird experience of being God's man, but in a godless home, and then he tries to do a, a thing to help, and it goes bad, and he ends up far away in a desert, and he starts another life, and he gets married and has a family, and, and, then, and then that's it. And he spends another 40 years thinking, well, I guess that didn't work. God, what do you have for my life? And then God appears to, to, Pharaoh, uh, to Moses again. So God's been dealing with him since birth, and God, God protects him so his life isn't taken out when he's a young man. And now here he is, a little bit older, and God appears to him in Exodus 3. And what I'm going to do is read a portion, but I'm jumping in the middle of the story. In a bush that's not burning, in a sight that's so glorious that it draws Moses' attention, he comes over and he hears the voice of God speaking to him. And God says, man, I've heard the cries of my people, and I'm coming to rescue them, which is good news. It's what Moses wanted. Moses wanted freedom for his people. And so God says, I'm going to do it. Thank you, God. And then uh, God says to Moses, and what I want to do is I'm going to send you back. Like, well, me? You see, we think that courage comes from a family line or like a personality. Some of you just by nature are daredevils. How many of you say, hey, I would love today if someone else paid for it and someone else prepared for it. I would love to go skydiving. It's the 4th of July. Let's just go jump out of that plane and if the chute opens, hallelujah. If not, I go out in a blaze of glory. How many adventurous people do I have here? All few you crazy people. I love you. You're my people. But not everyone is naturally bent on danger. Some of you are a little more like, I don't know if I want to risk a little spicy in my burrito. I'll keep it mild, you know. <laughs> whatever, your, whatever your version of it. Uh, we have different personality temperaments. Here's what I want you to know. M Moses is scared. And he has very good reason to be. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. It's the middle of the convo. He's already told God, what if they say, who sent you? And God says, I'll tell you my name. Well, what if they don't believe me? They're going to believe you. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? A staff? Because he's a shepherd, that's what they have. A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Okay, so Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And he, and he ran from it, which you would too, by the way, if your stick became animated and alive. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, and take it by the tail, which is courageous, right? So Moses, what does he do? He, at a God's word, he reaches out and took the snake, and, and it turned back into his staff in his hand. Now me, I'd throw that thing out. But, he, but anyway, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, Moses, you're scared to go back, you're afraid, and I get it, but you need to know I've, I've got power. All right, then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside of his denim jacket, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had been as white as snow. Leprous, leprosy, there was no cure. So his hand, and then now put it back in your cloak, and Moses put it back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. In other words, God has all power. 
God's talking to Moses and reminding him that God can do what God can do and Moses should not be afraid. Then the Lord said, if, you're not, uh, if they do not believe you or pay attention to my first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe the two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. At this, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I love how he talks to God. (laughs) Excuse me. Pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He's got speaking issues. Then the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who make them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord, now go? I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And then I love Moses' response. It's so honest. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. That is just so real. I love the Bible because it's filled, it's filled with real language from real people about real things. And today we want to think about our own faith. When God speaks to Moses, this is so interesting. God's pouring out his heart for the world. And the only thing that Moses can think about is what's going to happen to him. He could only think about his fears. Like, Lord, what if, what if they don't believe me? Lord, what if, what if I stand up to Pharaoh? Mind you, he knows the power of Pharaoh. He knows Egypt. He knows how they don't play around. And he knows that they know his name. And so he has very real reason to fear. I'm here to remind you, as you try and follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and live for God, God knows your fears. But what God does with Moses, he does with us. He gives us enough about himself to remind us that there's nothing impossible for God. So a stick can become a snake that could become a stick again. And a hand that's clean can become diseased, can become clean again. And God says, if you don't believe that, you just take some water from the river and I could change the DNA of the water and make it different. And by the way, I could bring it back again. Be strong and courageous is God's word to Moses. And so let me ask you, I wonder, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? When it comes, now there may be lots of things like, oh, spiders. Oh, that's everybody. Um, what are you afraid of when it comes to faith? When it comes to following Jesus, you're 15, you're like, man, there's not that many people that I know that really think about Jesus in my class or in my neighborhood. I think this is right and good, but no one else that I know seems to be going full on following. Anna, what are you afraid of? If God is real and the people of Egypt are about to see that God is real, And God is becoming more and more real to you. If if Jesus is becoming clear to you and Jesus' words are becoming more meaningful to you, then when it comes to taking action, because remember, God said to Moses, throw the stick, and he obeys. You know, we want God to move, but we struggle with obedience, don't we? We all want God. Hey, God, if you're real, do something. To which I think he replies, don't quote me, but I think this is his reply. Why don't you do something? I'm telling you the way to live. I'm showing you my love. I've given you 
thousands of words that are alive. Why don't you do something with your life and stop begging me to do something because I've already done, done so much. You ought to believe me. And this is the struggle of faith is getting to know God so well that you realize he's worth trusting and obeying. And when I just act on his word, put your hand in your, in your cloak, he does it, it's filled with disease. He does it again, it's healed. And Moses begins to learn what we need to learn, that resilient faith is, is about having boldness and action, which for us is not ethereal. It's not a mystery. You know what boldness is? It's, it's taking God's word and doing something with it. Obeying. Obedience is courageous. To be bold is to obey. And Moses is clearly scared. I was listening to a podcast this week, and I wrote down this line from uh, a really fantastic speaker and Christian leader, Nona Jones. And just write down this quote. It's amazing. Courage is fear in a forward direction. I like that. It's short, and I can remember. Courage is fear. But fear in motion, fear in a forward direction. Cowardice is, if you just do the reverse, cowardice is, is fear taking you in a negative direction, shrinking back. But to be bold, to be courageous, is to take your fear and move it. So, so God says to Moses, go back to Egypt, do what I say, because I love people. Now, when it comes to faith, you need to know the heart of God. God loves people. By the way, God loves you. You say, well, I don't know. I think God loves people who do the right thing. Well, actually, he, he loves it when people do the right thing, but God loves everybody. God loves you. And we say, well, I'm not really that religious. Fantastic. God loves you. Well, I, I go to church and read my Bible every day, and, and I pray, and I do all the right things. Good. Don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> don't pretend that God loves you because you do nice things. That's the heart of hypocrisy. God loves you because he made your DNA. He knows you by name and he knows everything about you and he still loves you. Now he loves you enough to guide you in a way that leads to life. So he sends his son Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. And now you, if you want to know the heart of God, you want to know how to follow God, you want to know how to be in relationship with God, follow Jesus. It's crystal clear. Well, I don't know if Jesus is the right path. Well, then read the whole Bible and you realize Jesus is the center of the whole Bible. Well, I just want to follow the Ten Commandments. Great, you'll fail at all of them. Now follow Jesus. Because to be bold and courageous is to obey Jesus. And that's what Moses didn't get in full. But if we read the whole Bible, that's exactly what we get in full. So resilient faith is a courageous faith where at the heart of our faith is hearing from God and doing what God says even when we are afraid. What are you afraid of? Courage is fear in a forward direction. God, if you don't go with me, I'm going to look like a fool in Egypt. And that's the nature of, now I just change Egypt. God, if you don't go with me, I'm going to look like a fool at school. I'm going to look like a fool in the workplace. I'm going to look like a fool in my neighborhood if your love and power and presence isn't with me. Here's the good news. He's with you. That's the good news. He's with us. And so I think there are at least three dimensions of courage I want you to think about, and then we're going to eat sandwiches and cookies. If you don't want your cookie, by the way, do not throw it out. I will take them all. <laughs> if you don't touch it. Ooh. All right. First dimension, courage 
courage to move past your failures. We need boldness to move past our failures. Where do I get this from? God calls Moses to the place where he failed. We forget that. We think that, you know, if you watch the cartoons, you think that Moses just goes back to this land and says, hi, my name's Mo. Let the people go. No, that's not how it worked. Moses is from Egypt. And God takes him back to the place where he once failed and said, I'm going to display my goodness through your life. Hey, friend, when you turn and follow Jesus, here's what will happen. Your past, your past is now, in a sense, reinterpreted in light of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Your, your failures are forgiven. And what God can do, he doesn't always do it exactly like he did with Moses, but God often says, now great, you weren't following me, now I'm going to give you my life, I'm going to give you my love, go back into that family mess. But now I'm with you. Well, God, can't you just give me a new family? No. Can't you just give me a new job? No. Can't you just give me a new space? No. Sometimes he does move us away. But for the most part, what God does is he fills us with himself and he sends us back in that real world and says, now I love them too. I want to use you to show those people my love. So God steps into Moses' life and sends him back. And you know what? We all have failures, don't we? We all have things that we regret. But what God wants to do by his mercy and his grace is to remind us this morning, you can have a faith that's resilient, that's courageous, where you can look back and say, those things don't define me. I now am a follower of Jesus. My past is gone. The new has come. And so I can step into those places, but now I'm not going alone. Jesus is with me. And so that's a word for some of you this morning. You're holding on and living in the reality of your past. Now look, there are things we do regret, and when you follow Jesus, you still look back at those and say, man, I wish I didn't, or I wish that hadn't happened to me. That's totally fine. As long as you realize the God who is of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and the creator of the universe, he lives in you. And if he lives in you, you can step into that as a new person. And you're not defined by who you used to be. You belong to Jesus. So let me just ask you, where is Jesus calling you to step into his forgiveness and freedom? Hey, a national holiday is kind of a cool thing. But if you were born and raised here, you're just by default an American, right? If you were. And so in one sense, you didn't do anything to earn it. You just like get the benefits of it and you get the challenges with it too, right? You get all of it. But when it comes to faith, look, we were all, we were all dead in our, in our own sin, in our own rebellion. Every one of us was dead. And because of Jesus Christ, we've been made alive. And so where is Jesus calling you to experience that? Don't, don't let the enemy lie to you like he tried to lie to Moses to say, hey, Moses, you're not a good speaker. You can't speak up. Moses, you're a terrible leader. D don't you remember what you did to that, that soldier who was just doing his job? Hey, hey, Moses, God's forgotten you. He's left you here with, with a, a few animals to take care of and a, and a wife. and a, You work for your father-in-law. How, how much worse can it get? Like God doesn't like you. 
God doesn't care about you. And those are lies, friends. We need to be courageous, bold, steadfast, knowing God is for me. And if God is for me, then who can stand against me? Second thing is, I think we need to, to, to establish some courage to stand up for what is right. We need courage to, do you know, the more and more people who don't care about Jesus, the more and more challenging it is for you and I to say, yeah, but this is right. Because everyone today is simply saying, well, that's right to you. That's not right for me. And what do you do? I think in this day and age, we need to learn from Moses. Because Egypt, at the time of Moses, had rejected the creator God. They were following their own pathways. They were living in their own truth. They were doing their own thing. And you know what the end result was? They were manipulating and abusing and hurting millions of people. And can I just suggest to you, whenever you see injustice around the world right now, at the center of it isn't even the human power or government or philosophy or legislation. We, we look at those things, but there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's good creation. And, and that enemy has a lot of pathways and philosophies and mindsets. And in the end, the enemy wants to destroy people's lives. But you know what? God raises up Moses and God raises up you. To stand up. Now, I'm not talking about yelling at the darkness and saying, evil people, you're all going to hell. It's not very helpful. It's not very helpful. It might be true, but it's not very helpful. But Moses doesn't denounce Egypt. You know what Moses is called to do? Is to speak God's word to Egypt. Hey, God has said, I love this people, let them go. Uh, God has said, if you don't let them go, then God is going to pull them out. And by the way, Pharaoh, you don't want that. It's not going to go well for you. And he is so stubborn, in the end, he loses his own child. He loses his entire people. He loses his own life. But Moses' role was to speak up for what is right. So as followers of Jesus, hear me. Everything in life matters. And so you can't say, well, well, all we're going to do is talk about salvation, that is, people who receive Jesus Christ, their sin is removed, their freedom is given, they're given the Holy Spirit, they walk with God, they're going to live with God forever. That's important. But you know what? Jesus wants to speak to all of life. So some of you are like, Jose, I've got this passion. I have this real passion in my soul for whatever it is that's right in the sight of God. Like, this is happening in the world, and I hate to see it. And every time I see it, something goes along me. I say, oh, God, will you do something about it? And he's saying to you, I've called you to do something about it, and I'm with you. This is a good thing. We don't ignore injustice as Jesus' followers. We don't ignore oppression. We don't just say, well, when Jesus comes back, it's going to all be good. Well, that's great for you. But for those who are suffering and hurting unjustly, that's not good news, by the way. The good news is God raises up a people who are about justice, God's justice, and God's love. And so you know what? We're, we're not silent. I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor who was in Germany as a pastor during the time of Hitler, and he left. 
They, they got him out. He was a leader and they were afraid he was going to be killed. And he came to America and he was so convicted by God. What am I doing in America safely following him when, when my countrymen are in Germany? I need to go back. And he went back to Germany against everyone else's wisdom and said, I'm going to raise up churches and pastors and leaders and preach the word of God no matter what the Nazi regime is doing. In the end, it cost his life. But that's why we listen to him today. This quote, it's touching. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not, whew, it's not in there, but I just, I read it and it caught me. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Wow. To do nothing in light of following Jesus about all of the evil in our world is to speak and to act, but not in the way that God attended. So we do something with our faith. So a bold, resilient, courageous faith is a faith that says everything matters, every person matters, and when I find out, I'm not talking about political ideology, and don't misinterpret this. I am not saying who's the better candidate to sit in some political office. Those are secondary or third or fourth or fifth. I'm talking about seeing human beings suffering needlessly because of evil. We stand up to evil, not shouting at it, but proclaiming good news of God's good reign in Jesus. And we say, because Jesus is good, I will speak up for those who have no voice. So let me just ask you, where is Jesus calling you to step in for the good of others? There's something for you. Now here's where we gotta be very careful. I wanna say this just as, because I hear lots of people in our church talking about lots of things. You're gonna have a passion that's unlike your neighbor. Like, so you're passionate about whatever it is, and then you're going to find out they're passionate about whatever it is, and then you're going to get mad at them if you're not careful. Why aren't you passionate about this? And they're going to say, why aren't you passionate about this? Because that's not as important as this. Well, that's not as important as this. And then, and then I think God laughs at us. And he's like, kids, I care about both of them. So let's encourage one another in the things that we're passionate about and find out ways to strengthen one another, recognizing God calls us uniquely to different things. Does that make sense? So we need courage and boldness. Sometimes the courage and boldness is to recognize someone else's passion is not mine, but I can support it, right? That's boldness to say, man, I'm not willing to give my life for that. But if you are, I'm with you. I'll pray for you. Finally, the, the third thing is courage to live for the freedom of others. And in, in essence, whether you feel like you're passionate about something or not, know this. Following Jesus is about the courage to live an others-centered life. You see, Moses is already free. This is, when we saw him in, in Exodus 4, he is free. He's got a job. He's got a home. He's got a life. And God steps into him and interrupts his, his beautiful little suburban life and says to him, I care about people that are physically far from you. Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone 
for their rescue. And in the end, no matter what Jesus is calling you to do, just know this, it's for the good of others. So Jesus' people, we live with boldness and courage for the good of others. It's the way of Jesus. And, and you say, well, I'm not sure what particular thing I should focus on. Well, I, I want to leave you then on, on July 4th, on this day of freedom, with I think the greatest manifesto. He's like, Jose, so God calls Moses to this thing. What's he calling me to? I'll tell you what he's calling you to. You'll have to interpret the particulars, but I'll tell you what he's calling you to. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Just, just read it. It's on the screen. Then Jesus came to them, his 12 disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And notice the promise, just like Moses. And surely I am with you, what? Always, to the very end of the age. You see, courage, hear me. Christian courage does not come from within. You could be like Moses, and you're scared to death to follow Jesus and do what he says. You're in good company. Fantastic. Courage comes from God's presence within. And there's a huge difference. You're never going to tap into your inner boldness. We don't have it. But the Holy Spirit, God's presence himself, God is bold about good. And so Jesus says to his church, every one of us, you know what our mission here is to help people experience life in Jesus. What's your calling if 26 West is your, is your church? You say, this is my church. It's to help people experience life in Jesus, which means we proclaim, we, we share the good news of God's rule in Jesus. He's come, he died, he rose again to give us life that will last forever. And everyone who trusts in him, he'll never turn away. So follow Jesus when? Now. Well, once I start following Jesus, July 4th at 10.56 is a great time to follow Jesus. You say, well, what about tomorrow? Great, follow him then. Well, well can I wait till next week? No, why? Next week isn't promised. You get what? You get today. So today, Hebrew says, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart as previous people did in their rebellious state. Soften your heart, follow Jesus. And I love when we get it right, um, what happens? There's a little encounter in the book of Acts chapter 4, and, and Peter and John are used by God to bring healing to someone who, who needed God's touch. And, and it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, man, that's the picture of, of Jesus following courageous, resilient faith. They didn't look at Peter and John and said, man, they're the best candidates or they're like the most polished because they frankly said, we don't have money to help you, but in Jesus' name, we pray that you would walk and this person did. And so what they took note was like, Oh, these are the Jesus people who care about the person that everyone else is walking past. And so in the same way, Moses is called to rescue. You and I are called for rescue. And I just wonder, as we think about a holiday, but really think about our lives, are we willing to follow Jesus 
and obey, which is the most courageous thing you could do. I wonder if you're willing to trust and obey and in that live bold. I, I pray that for you. I pray that for me. And so what we want to do is we want to respond. We want to ask God to stir a passion in our heart. Uh, the, the band's going to come. I wonder how passionate you are about your following Jesus at this moment. How, how, how passionate are you? It's easy. Compare that passion with how much time, money, and energy you spend on other things. And you'll know where your passion, you can't lie about your passions because your passions show up in your money and your time and your mental energy. So it boggles my mind at how quickly, like a squirrel, we can go chase little nuts that don't matter. When our team is doing well, we go ballistic. I mean, like literally, we paint the face, we wear the shirt, we, we buy the overpriced ticket to support a bunch of people who don't even know you and frankly don't care about you at all. But when it comes to the things of God, we're so quick to put that in second place. And I, I just pray that you'll be stirred to passionately follow Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you, take the next step. You say, hey, what do I do? I'm telling you, take the next step. And the next step is to recognize if you're lacking passion, God can stir it. So let's just invite God to do that now. And then we're going to worship. We're going to come back, take communion. And we're going to have a meal together because that's what Jesus' people do. Amen? Amen.